Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. This is, make no mistake about it, this is the Good Life Ohio Reflection Thursdays morning show. Uh, this is uh, Tim Russell's specific show on Thursday. Um, if you heard the announcement about a week ago, um, the Uptown Show is retiring its name. And that is, uh, it's not a sad affair. It's not a sad affair, it just represents growth. Uh, sometimes you have to know when to let things go, uh, when to move forward uh, with new energy and a new direction. I think the Uptown name, and now, Uptown Media is not going anywhere. I'm just saying the Uptown Morning Show is changing its name. And the reason why is that when things go in, in a certain direction and it's not moving forward, it's the universe's way of saying it's ran its course. You know, yeah. um, I have tried several times to assemble a morning team. I have tried several times to assemble a radio team in, in itself and to no avail and i was just thinking one day sometimes knowledge and wisdom just comes to you out of the blue and uh i'll tell you a little backstory before we get into the show my man uh good morning good morning baby good morning uh i see five or six people on this check-in right now so we want to acknowledge each and every single person we're going to try to get as many comments as you can if you like this content the best way to get this content out here is share this on your page we are interactive show uh, we definitely want to share your views and things of that nature. Reflection Thursdays, uh, just for an explanation, is just a reflection on our mindset, on our mental health, on our communication, how we socialize in our social contracts, things of that nature. Uh, we can always talk about the problem. We can always talk about toxicity. We can always talk about trauma. But what are we doing as far as solutions when it comes to the mental health in our African-American community, not just the urban community, we have mental illness even in our fluent uh, communities as well because of the systemic oppression that we all face on a day-to-day -day basis. So this is just not for trauma in the hood. I don't like when people just, you know, zero in on this is for the hood. No, this is for all of us. We all need to heal as African-Americans. But as I was saying on those lines is that uh, I was looking at the terminated relationships the not so healthy relationships, the broken social contracts. And, and a friend of mine about three or four years ago said, hey, man, um, this is your baby. And I know you always try to extend empowerment to other people. But what you end up finding yourself doing is they either end up using you for, for, for your energy and your intellectual property. And then once they're done, they're out of here. Or, you know, you're trying to gather a group thing. And then they try to implement their ideas more than basically the person who's steering the ship. And it was wisdom and I rejected the wisdom because I'm just always, I'm a selfless person. I don't like to say me, me, me or beat on my chest or anything like that. But after a while, you just see that it's, it's not, you know, uh, it's not carrying you forward. It, it's actually detrimental to your growth and your purpose. So out of the blue one day it says, Lane, it's time for you. You've helped a lot of people. You you intern. You helped a lot of interns. You helped a lot of people out of the Ohio Media School broadcasting. You helped a lot of rappers. You helped a lot of producers. 
it's time to at least focus on yourself and your purpose. So this is why the Lane Love Morning Show, once we do go back on the air, is going to be renamed and the Uptown Show will be no longer. So this is why, again, it's a long intro, but this is why I championed this man because he decided to bring one show once a week as a morning show, and we've been taking off ever since. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Tim Russell's in the building. What up, everybody? What up, Lane? Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, this episode is about grace. I've been watching our old episodes, taking notes on the new ones, and thinking about what we talk about. I think you uh, brought us around to the forefront perfectly. Um, I think, and I and I try to put myself in other people's shoes as an outside person looking in. And we do talk Ooh. about a lot of heavy topics. You know, we do hold people accountable and we challenge people. So I think this yes. episode was perfect to, to give grace. You know what I mean? My first level of giving grace is giving flowers. And I definitely have to give you yours. You know, I was thinking about what you actually do in the community, the things you say, the things you post. And we need it. You know what I mean? We need the energy you bring. We need your insight. We need your experience. I see you post pictures from when you were 18. I'm like, damn, I was I was a baby. And he's out in the world <laughs> navigating. <laughs> Trying to make some of itself. No technology. Nothing we have today. Just you. You know what I mean? And that's that's amazing, bro. Like you I know what's funny is that had I known in 1993 that we would even have a social media, I would have squandered the essential pictures that you guys really needed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh there are so many pictures in Philadelphia. There's so many pictures I took in New York City and so many pictures I took in Italy that were squandered because I never, like there's this one picture I wish I could really recover and it's me in a Sigonella, Italy mall. And I have on a cross colors uh, hoodie with a Miami uh, Hurricanes hat on. And the picture is so colorful that it would be laughed at today, but this is what the style was you know, then it was, we just wore any fucking thing and any color that you can imagine. And, and it went, it was, it was a go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have a picture that I will post next week. It is a, a picture of me in Meridian, Mississippi. And I, mm -hmm. I, I, I really, I'll make it quick. Mm -hmm. We're down there in a, in a Mississippi club and this guy, he's just, throwing records on and somehow it just didn't sit well with me. Now I'm not even thinking about music or anything like that, but somehow the way he was arranging the records just wasn't sitting to me and the crowd was just not dancing. And I come from Columbus, I, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and a dancing culture, I've been, I've been in music all my life. And so I asked him, I just said, hey, you know, cause he was just like, man, you've been sitting here for about an hour. He said, can I help you? I was like, if you don't mind, the next time you take a break, will you let me play the records? And he was like, sure. And um, for those 15 minutes, I had the people going. So he comes back, and of course, he wants his job back. But he lets me direct him the whole night. All right, play this record. And I'm feeding him records like the whole night, not knowing this is the precursor to me being who I am today. You know what I'm saying? It's just funny mm -hmm. how your purpose, it, it, it really does guide you, man. It, I don't know. I, I, you could have told me I would have been a DJ at that moment, but it, it was really guiding me. I don't know. I mean, hell, you looked like a rapper back then. I'm like, this guy is a rapper. 
I seen the hats, the swag. I said he raps. He raps. And they love it. I had a backpack. You see the backpack? Did you see that? Yeah. As soon as I, listen, as soon as I got out the boat, we, we rolled to Brooklyn and I, I bought that backpack in Brooklyn. Crazy. See, that's this is what connects Grace for me. You know, people could have had no idea what you've been through. You know what I mean? And I think it's a two-way street when it comes to assumption. You're either going to assume the worst about somebody or you're going to assume, you know, they went through some great things. They've done some great things. And I think that's where, as a culture, we're learning the other side of grace. We know how to assume the worst about each other, but we haven't quite figured out how to accept. I have no idea what this person's been through, but it was probably some great shit. You know what I mean? But on the flip side, I'm glad you said that because... I'm not in the so great. I'm not in people's good. A lot of people's good graces. The people that know me for me, to right now, um, definitely, I'm I'm in a lot of those good graces and and, and reverence of a lot of people. But the a lot of the uh, people in Columbus, a lot of the who's who and the people that are moving and shaking, I wouldn't say I'm in the best of graces because, like you said, if you don't know the backstory. You just know how I'm moving now, but you don't know why I'm moving in this direction or why I'm moving the way that I move is because, man, when you're trying to press forward, you have all of these elements of opposition and it can change your psyche. Uh, a lot of the hurts, a lot of the betrayal, a lot of the just things that happen human nature wise where you just be like, well, damn, I was good to this group of people. I was good to this person. And it changes you. It changes the way you move. But a lot of times people look at you as the asshole. You know what I'm saying? When it really, it's like you don't know the things that I've been through to make me this person that I am today. Which, you know, this is why we ask for grace. Because it's like, listen, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a ball of trauma. And I'm moving in this way to protect myself. Yeah. And this is this is why I truly believe, you know, in truth versus fact. Because two things can be true at the same time. And the first thing I, I want to explain to people about grace is it's not about um, not trying to hurt someone's feelings. You know what I mean? That's not what Greg and grace isn't technically a good thing or a bad thing. It right. just is. And to me, when you lead with love, you have to lead with grace. And grace is not always extending yourself. Sometimes you got to give yourself grace. You, you mm -hmm. hit the nail on the head with starting over and the universe showing you like, okay, now this is a dead horse you're beating. Like, time to go do something else. So that grace <laughs> is now it extends to yourself. Now you got to accept, I'm not wrong for how I went about this because I did everything I could do. It just didn't work out. And that's fine. You know what I mean? Now moving on to the next thing. It's no different than like, like what you're saying because I have the same thing, especially people who know me back then. Like, they don't, particularly understand how I got here and people who see me now don't understand where I came from. So there's two, two extensions. I got to give them grace when they're wrong or misunderstand or confused about who I am. Cause they don't know me. You know what I mean? That's the only reason I'm giving you grace. You saying what you're saying from hurt or something someone told you, cause you don't know me. So I can't even take that seriously. And then I have to give myself grace because I'm showing myself that I'm growing. You know what I mean? If everybody was still comfortable with what I was doing, I'm doing the same shit. The reason they're uncomfortable that I'm doing something different is because it threatens who they are. It triggers them. They've lived their life under this belief that you can just be the same person or 
you got to go out there and find yourself. I live my life under the belief you change who you are. You create who you are. So you can do that as often as you want in your life. You can do that 10 times a year, once a year. Is your that's giving yourself grace. You don't I'm saying you don't have to be like everyone else. And you don't have to be liked. <laughs> that's something that sets me free from friendships and relationships. I don't force people to like me. I can truly understand if you don't like me. You know right. what I mean? I don't think I'm perfect. I don't think I'm I'm every I'm an acquired taste. I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea. It takes a certain <laughs> type of person <laughs> to like me. So all of that is grace. It's understanding oppositions don't have to be confrontational. You get what I'm saying? Right. You cannot agree with me, but you but you don't have to dislike me because you don't agree with me. You know, you know um and I think that what I would in that saying, I would like to unpack mm -hmm. time to give grace. When is it time to forgive? And when is it time to cut off? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think people really need to know when those times, because grace is not forgiveness. And, and, right, and people, people need to understand that grace is not forgiveness at, at all. And, and honestly, Cutting people off doesn't mean you don't forgive them. <laughs> you know? So can we can we un, un, unpack those three? Yeah. Things? So uh, so me personally, these are the reasons why I got into spirituality as much as I am now. When I dived in deeper, because everything is awareness. You have to be aware in the moment. You know what I mean. And and where we get into trouble is we try to plan our future. We try to plan confrontation. I used to do this all the time as a kid. You know what I mean. Riding to school in the school bus, I'm planning three different conversations motherfuckers might argue with me about. Looking down at my shoes, like, all right, somebody might say something about this. I need a rebuttal. I need to know what I'm going to say next. Like, as we mature, life is too fast-paced to do that. So you have to become aware of your feelings. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, everything you just said with the business. Like, the universe is starting to show me, like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. Maybe I need to go in a different direction. That's when it's time to move. But people get afraid of that, what's coming towards them. So they try to prepare. They try to start reacting before anything's ever happened to you. You get what I'm saying? Right. So the best way to be proactive is be aware. Is know how you feel. Know when you go into a room with people, you hear a bunch of chatter outside. You're like, oh, it's about to be great. You go in there, everybody's dead quiet just looking at you. That's a shift. Your energy's going to shift. You're going to feel that. It's like an eerie feeling. You feel empty. Everything feels quiet and silent. That's your body saying, all right, like, you need to pay attention to what's happening. It's not telling you go left or right. It's saying pay attention to what's happening right now. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, oh, bookmark. So I don't, are you saying, Tim, I don't always have to address the weirdness or the awkwardness in the room? Because I can go into a room and actually feel the awkwardness and weirdness, but sometimes I can address it and that raises in that other person uh, a defense mechanism or a denial that there is weirdness or awkwardness in the room. So are you telling me that even if I walk into a room and feel this awkwardness, I don't necessarily have to address it? Yeah, I would say more times than not, we don't have to address it. And this all circles back around to grace. You know what I mean? This is how my philosophy set up. If I go into the room, any type of room, I always read the room because there's two things that could be happening in that awkwardness. Someone else in the room is out of place and they're fucking up the feng shui or you're out of place and you're fucking up the feng shui. 
and we do this a lot of times as people i think it's our our selfishness our ego we come into a room and we feel like we have to have value we got to entertain we got to make everybody feel better but sometimes the awkwardness is in the room because what they were talking about is you so you're out of place now they're having a great time you're raining on their parade trying to come in here and switch up what they're talking about switch up what they're doing when you can just remove yourself and then you have rooms that you're typically in and an outside force comes and affects that energy. This is when I address things because I can watch all my buddies' faces, four out of five of them, they're annoyed just like me. And it's one person just going off. They drunk. You, Everyone's been around that person. You don't, you have no more boundaries or care for other people's night. You so drunk, it's all about you. We got to basically chaperone you. That's when I address it. Like, yo, can you see, I even tell this to my kids, can you see everyone else? Like, feel everyone else. Are they doing what you're doing? <laughs> you the problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? You the problem. But grace is me saying a lot of times when I go into spaces, you know, I've done it as a kid. I've done it as an adult. I've come into the room with my siblings watching TV. Like, why are we watching this? And turn the channel. I'm the problem. Everybody was in here fine what they was watching. Nobody had an issue until you came in here. And now you're trying to make everyone have the issue you have. You're the problem. Just remove yourself. Go read. Go write. Go play with Jax or something. Like, go do something else. You get what I'm saying? But, so we got to be aware of what's happening to everyone, not just us. But how can we do that? And I, I hate to shit on your generation, but uh, yeah. just for one second, just for one second, um, <laughs> millennials, I blame Generation X for the entitlement of millennials. And, and the reason why I say that is because we bought you all things to shut you up. And you tapped in, and that generation tapped into that. You know what I'm saying? Let's buy them the Game Boy, buy them the Sega Genesis, buy them this, buy them the Jordans, buy them this to keep them quiet, to keep them contained. You know what I'm saying? So therefore, as we, we develop a pampered society in millennials, this is why the entitlement, I don't like this, I'm going to change it. Well, have you considered, and, and, and it really developed a narcissistic society. And, and the reason why I can speak on this is because I was watching a YouTube where uh, Robert Greene, who is the author of uh, 48 Laws of Power, is also nature and all these things like that. This is verified, this is literally verified that millennials uh, and, and, and even going into Generation Z, it's becoming worse is because no matter where you are on the economic scale, we have more parents pampering their children, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying, which, which basically it's disintegrating boundaries, you know what I'm saying, so mm -hmm. to speak. And, and basically uh, spouting off what you said is like, you know, a child can walk in like, I don't like this. I'm like, well, did you ask anybody else how they feel? No, the child only feels how they feel. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't look at that as like, you know, shade or anything. You know what I mean? It's it's your perspective and it's not wrong. I've seen some things you're saying, you know what I mean? So I'm going to touch on two things because one of the comments also asks, what's the difference between forgiveness and grace? So forgiveness, I'll, I'll start with that. Forgiveness and grace go hand in hand. You know what I mean? Forgiveness is your ability to get over what happened to you. Grace is mm -hmm. how you go about it. So you can go about it like a train wreck. You can go through it with grace and agility. You know what I mean? And try to figure out how you were wrong. That's grace. When we just jump off the handle and want to get mad at somebody, <laughs> you lack grace. When we try to see what we did wrong and how I could change what happened to me, 
That's grace. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to let this happen anymore. So forgiveness is nothing more than change behavior. You identify this makes no sense for you to do. Your forgiveness is saying, okay, this is the point where I do something different. And you're forgiving yourself because you didn't know any better. That's the grace. I'm not upset because of what I did because I was a kid. I didn't know any better. I was just being a kid. So now that I'm over, that grace is allowing me to forgive myself. Or we beat ourselves up over the head when we lack grace. We don't know how to forgive ourselves. You know what I mean? We we don't feel we should be forgiven. So that grace is saying you're human. You're godly. Forgive yourself. You're going to fuck up. You know what I mean? You're going to make mistakes. Forgiveness is not doing that shit anymore. So as far as what you were speaking on, um, it's very real. But I think this is what this is what goes wrong with my generation. We get accused of so much and we don't get any grace. We don't get the whole spectrum of what happened to us. So that's grace. It's it's not trying to find how someone was wrong. It's trying to understand why they did what they did. OK, so why we did what we did. We've been lied to our whole lives. We were the generation to where they said milk makes strong bones. Lie. We were the generation to where they said, well, you'll be happy with a career. You'll be content. Lie. We're the generation that said, go to college. That's the answer. Lie. Like, we've been lied to our whole lives. And these aren't things we can do over summer. These are 15, 20-year ventures. So if you had me out on this journey for 15 years, it's going to lead me nowhere. Every journey after that is going, I'm going to be afraid that I'm going to be here too long with no payout, with no benefits. So a lot of us are shifty. We we leave situations very quickly. And guess for what, Sam? For some of that reason, not all that reason, but for some of that reason. And, and you know what else? I wouldn't say we necessarily lied, but we pushed a lot of medicine on you guys. A, oh, a lot man. of medicine. And we're addicted and hooked to now. Our My generation is the pill poppers. They had us taking pills as kids. I remember that. I used to be so uncomfortable because I didn't even know how to swallow the pills. Now I'm getting ridiculed because I don't know how to swallow pills. Come on now. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> so we're, we're just, just off. My generation's mad. That's where that's where Cat Williams, uh, if you really watch one of the Cat Williams special, he was talking about his son who was a, a millennial. And basically, uh, they couldn't contain him. He was like, they wanted to condemn my son for being happy. You know what I'm saying? When yeah. basically he woke up, he just felt like running. When he went here, and so basically by the time he got to school, that's all he did was feel like running. So therefore, the teacher said, we have to do something in order to calm this kid down. And so they put him on medication. And Cat Williams, I mean, you know, people really have to understand that comedy is really tragedy. And it's just in a different way. But they said, he said what broke his heart was when they put him on the pill, his son was zonked out, just a zombie. And he asked his son, he was like, hey, son. He was like, huh? He was like, what you think about? He was like, running. So it didn't change it. <laughs> it didn't change his mindset. It was like, y'all want to penalize my... So I, I do agree with that. I, I, said, I, I made that analogy to agree with what you're saying. The millennials, while we accept it, and let me finish this thought, while we accept yeah, yeah, yeah. it, ain't in control, millennials and the millennial kids didn't want to be controlled. And it was just something in the universe shift that the millennials just didn't want to be controlled. So we did everything to, like you said, we lied, we tried to control you through medication and through different sorts of manipulations where when you actually did wake up, not only did you say this is wrong, but you look back at my generation and said, you did this to us. And I get it, I get it. And that's where us as a community, 
not just any one generation, us as a community, that's how I can tell we don't have grace. You know, I had to, I'm, I'm still learning with it. You know, I, this is something I would be remiss not to tell people on the internet. Like I still work on everything I talk about in the show. I, I don't speak on these things to say, Oh, I'm done with it. I still work on these things. I had to give my parents grace for the longest. I could not find the silver lining. I couldn't understand how, how they went about things was good for me. And it's so many of us, we can't do that. Because, again, my generation, we felt we were lied to. So now when we come out of the lie, the first person you're going to be mad at is your parents. You know what I mean? And it's not because of just what they did to us. It's one, they didn't acknowledge the hurt. And it's two, you didn't just hurt me. How you treated me caused me to hurt all these other people. You're not even aware that I hurt because of what you did to me. You dig wow. what I'm saying? So it's hard to extend grace when you don't have that grace. This is why I'm becoming like spiritual. This is why I wanted to get on a high frequency. I want to learn to give that love without expecting it in return. That's grace. I'm learning to love you even though you don't even know how to love me back. You don't even know how to apologize to me for what you did to me. But I still got to find a way to love you because I don't know why you, that's grace for you now. I don't know why you did what you did to me. Your dad could have did it to you. Your mom could have did it to you. So for me to just be upset and say, you're doing this to me personally. That's bullshit. That's you trying to cope with what happened to you. You don't know why they did it, so give them grace. And now my healing journey may affect their healing journey. You know what I mean? But I've, I've been, I'm still mad at to this day how I was raised, even though I can see it's helped me become a better father. It's helped me become a better friend. It's helped me, helping me become what I feel is a better husband. And I'm still upset about what happened to me. You know, so grace and healing is an ongoing thing. None of us are further than the other or behind we're all just healing and that's that's a good start so uh i want to get through these comments first of all i want to acknowledge adrian i want to acknowledge drea drea and jessica anybody else go ahead and share this on your page right now if you enjoy this content or each and every single thursday thank you guys for being regulars on the show we want to continue to shout you out because you are very important and special to us so uh drea drea says if i i feel like we can often become slaves to our ego this is where the entitlement comes from um Let's see, Jessica Renee says, a lot of us were also raised by young parents that had to keep us contained or busy so that they could work or focus on providing for the family. Here, take this so mommy can work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the thing. We were still, as young parents, working out our trauma. So therefore, a lot of things that we pacified uh, your generation with was to get a break because yeah. honestly i'm gonna put i'm gonna put i'm gonna put the baby boomers on blast and i'll put the latter baby bloomers on blast the latter not the earlier ones but the, the, okay. the, the ones towards the end that was the first generation that i ain't babysitting shit yeah that was the first generation that said i'm not going to babysit you made these kids you deal with it that was the breakdown of the village, Tim. So therefore, if we don't have any babysitters and we're all just trying to survive, yeah, all right, get in front of the TV. Let me turn this on. I was that parent. I'm going to tell you, before Tim uh, comes in, mm -hmm. I worked at the steel plant right there off of Joyce. Um, Joyce and uh, ooh, Woodland, I think. Somewhere around okay. in that area. 
I worked at a steel plant six hours out of the day. From the steel plant, went to the post office for 10 to 12 hours out of the day. Do you know, and, and, and I started maybe at the steel plant, maybe at about 10 o'clock, okay? Maybe about 10 o'clock in, in the morning and did that till about three, three o'clock in the afternoon uh, or maybe two, whatever. Went to the post office from four till about maybe, I mean, working the second shift. Well, get off, maybe get three hours of sleep and still wake up with my child. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to put my, my, my ex-spouse on blast, but she was going through things mentally. So I had to not only provide, but I also had to be a caregiver at least until I had to go work my shift. So therefore, what I would do in the morning at five o'clock or whenever she would get at five, six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, go make her formula. Dad, right? Make a make a fort, make a pillow fort. Turn on blues clues. Try to get as much sleep as I possibly could while I'm just praying to God that this this child doesn't get into a light socket or anything like that. Or just I mean, yeah. I, 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 so, and, and you met you met my child. You know what I'm saying? And we so, did the uh, same shit when we were young parents. Yeah. So <laughs> pray to God that while I'm sitting up here knocked out sleep and I got this pillow for it. That she and you know kids are smart. They know how to get over. Yeah, kids. especially when you're not yeah. watching, they get smarter. Yeah, they get smarter and smarter. <laughs> As a parent, yes, I have to do something to continue to function because I'm working around the clock. I'm still trying to be a father, and I'm still trying to keep my child safe. So you damn right. By the time they were old enough to get the Game Boys and all that shit like that, here, why and why not? While Daddy went out and kicked it, while Daddy could just get some fucking sleep you know what yeah. i mean yeah and i and i and this is the duality of the world this is i think where we're missing on grace i think as people we extend it we extend it in our own ways and the issue with why my generation is so pissed off because that grace was not reciprocated you know what i mean i've heard from my uncle rest his soul he was more like a dad to me than any man i've ever met and sometimes he taught me Grace just needs to be present. I don't have to be the one giving grace. You ever talk to someone and they are trying their hardest not to let you say something bad or they're trying to feed the good about something that you ran about and they're just like, well, see it this way. That's him. That was him. You know what I mean? So the grace was always present. I just didn't always bring the grace. And he he hit it. He kicked it to me one day where he was like, you know what I mean? Um, your parents tried their best, which I see that in two ways. You know, I'm I'm a very critical person. I can't just take something at face value when it's lower than face value. Like, I can't. I can't accept that. So, you know, he said your parents uh, did the best that they had. I can accept that for some people. Do I write everyone off as that? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? And this is why I say this is why my generation is so upset. That grace was not reciprocated. And none of what I'm about to say is shade. It's just the truth. Right. I, I have my kids... We're talking about on average during a week. I have them 10 times as much as my parents were around me. You know what I mean? And they work two jobs. They own the bar, own the nightclub, different things like that. So I'm not doing this to show them I'm a better parent than them. I'm doing this because I feel this is a, a good parent. So the problem is my generation does these things. And, and remember, we went to college, had jobs, and had kids. We didn't just have a job and a kid. Like when I was in college, I had an apartment. I had basketball, I had work, and I had school, and I had a newborn kid. 
and was still coming here every week because I went to school out of state. I was coming right. here every weekend, every other weekend to see my son. So the issue is I started getting with my parents is I never got any credit ever. They either try to micromanage my parenting or tell me I'm not doing as much as I think I'm doing or you got to do this and do that. And I'm like, respectfully, I, I have a way better relationship with my kids than you have with me. So I understand mm -hmm. like you're trying to help in your own way. But grandparenthood is a rite of passage. You got to be a parent first. You don't just get to get old and your kids have kids and now you're a grandparent. No, there has to be a hierarchy. I've been busting my hump to be a good dad since since my kids were born. I've And not saying I'm looking for credit, but let's call it spade a spade. I've never gotten credit for that. I've gotten ridiculed my whole adult life being a parent by the generation older than me. Oh, I would have did it this way. Back in my day, we didn't. Back in your day, like we were raising ourselves. Do you think we forget what happened? Y'all were putting bills in our names. Y'all was fucking up our credit before we even knew what credit was. Let's kill the back in my day nonsense because my generation is still trying to give grace, but now it feels like this older generation is trying to take advantage. And see, this is where grace is not allowing people to walk all over you. Grace is not taking the high road. Grace is trying to understand what's going on because our first thought is to get upset. Our first thought is to get angry, and we get nasty when we get angry. So Grace is saying, stay calm and try to analyze what's happening to you. Spirituality is saying, if it's some fuck shit, show your ass. <laughs> you dig? If it's, yeah. a, if it's some BS, take all that nice stuff away and be aggressive, be direct. Say what you need to say. And that's, that's not received by our parents' generation. They do not hold themselves accountable. They're entitled to thinking just because they got along and now we're older and we know better, oh, I must have did a good job. Absolutely, you could have traumatized that kid. How many times have you apologized for that? How many times are these older people taking their kids my age and saying, yo, I was wrong in how I raised you? You know what I well, mean? I, I could have did things differently. But just sweeping it under the rug and then judging how we parent, Man, that, that's what has a lot of us pissed off because we're great. Man, we're my parents, my generation's great parents. Well, that's what I had to come to the conclusion. And I mean, uh, just know, ladies and gentlemen that are on checking right now, if I do say something that sounds a little outlandish, it is it is not basically malicious. It is just basically maybe my thought pattern from a while ago. It was just a thought that I had but didn't react on it. But I do choose to be transparent so that you can get the entire picture of, of what we were feeling. So uh, yes, absolutely. Um, when I, and you, and you were on the show with my child, uh, I wanted that credit for being there because I felt like, well, shit, my dad wasn't there. My mom wasn't there. So I need to get a B just for fucking being there. You know what I'm saying? Even if you don't give me an A, give me a fucking B. <laughs> That's for sure. You know how, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you go to a bad school and the mugs get, you know, you get celebrated for perfect attendance and like, shit, at least give me some credit for coming to fucking school. You know what I'm saying? Forget my language this morning, but it's just the passion behind it. But that's what I couldn't understand is like, because I had a thought process and this is why I need grace, ladies and gentlemen of the audience. I said, I had a thought process of like, well, I should have stayed in Philadelphia. If I had known that if I had known that my children would have felt the way that they felt about me in their later teenage and adult years, 
I was thinking like, why the fuck did I even do it? But like you said, I was wanting credit for something that I was supposed to do. Yeah. I was wanting credit for just showing up. I wasn't giving an account that my harsh ways of raising my children were traumatizing them and, and, and really, like you said, causing them now to hurt themselves as adults and hurt other people. But I was just saving them, well, what I called saving them from a life that I had growing up. You know what I'm saying? I didn't like growing up in the short north doing the crack air. I didn't like the fact that my sisters had been raped and, and became victim of drugs. I didn't like the fact that they were victims of early pregnancy. So my way of parenting was like, oh, hell no, not on my watch. But at the end of the day, I couldn't see that I couldn't see the damage, but all I said was, well, fuck everything, because I could have been my dad and just not gave a fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, help me kind of piece that together. What you said is is perfect. You know what I mean? This is why I say, is, and, and there's a comment I'm going to touch on after this, and this is why I say, black man, we don't really have a safe space in this world, because what you said is your honest truth. I should have stayed in Philadelphia. That's where you got to give yourself grace. Cause that's how you felt. That's the truth. Knowing what you know now, I would have did something different. And people got to stop trying to shame us for how we fit. That's how I feel. You know what I mean? I was there. I was in the home. I did what I felt I needed to do. So now I can play around hypothetically with shit. I would have, I could have been out here scratching it. You dig doing what I was doing. <laughs> I have those thoughts all the time. I can't always share them with people because they don't, they'll misinterpret what you're trying to say. You know right. what I mean? I understand wholly what you're trying to say. I think there's no wrong with that type of rhetoric. These are things I tell to my kids. You know what I mean? I joke around like, shit, I probably would have been rich if I didn't have kids right now. Like, <laughs> you don't know that ain't the truth, but it's it's something, it's transparency. I'm having fun with them. I'm letting them know I don't have any boundaries, no limits when it comes to y'all. It's unconditional right. love. We can talk about anything under the sun. You know what I mean? So you were just becoming more comfortable with who you are and still learning how to be a parent at the same time. See, they try to separate us. Same in career. Mm -hmm. They want you to be your career and not your person. They want you to be your parent and not your individual. You have to be both. You don't just stop being one because the other becomes present. You have to be you at all times. So my kids get me. That's why we're so close. They're not close with me because I'm always around. I've, I have kids in my life. I just got one of my daughters when she was nine. I have kids in my life I haven't seen for a year or two years at a time. They love me to death. They love me to death because they know me. They, they see my lows, my highs. I am very transparent with my kids. You know, I said this on Facebook the other day. Like, when you lie to your kids about your struggles, you're diminishing the lessons that came from struggling. And you're creating this false perception that they always got to be perfect or do everything right to be loved or be happy. That's bullshit. You fucked up all your life and now you're happy. Tell them the truth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, go ahead. Miss Rowe Price. Uh, I need you to. Yeah, that's this the down. one I was going to comment on. Go ahead. I want to know too because yeah, yeah. that's a good question. I, I want a moment. I need Grace on having an old man moment after I read this. So it says, <laughs> ask a man a question. What if your parents are not trying to ridicule? What if it's a communication issue? So give me Grace, everybody. I, I need to have this old man, especially the millennials and Generation yeah. Z. This is what I have a problem with because I feel, especially with Generation Z's. And the latter part of millennials, you can't tell them shit. I'd be like, yo, you know, at least in my generation, we listen to the OGs. We at yeah. least, you know, like if this was our elder and the elder was trying to give us some game, 
We would listen. I be trying to give some of these cats some game, and they just be yeah. like, "That was back in the '80s, man. This that was back in the '90s, bro. This ain't now." I'm like, "Bro, there's still a lot of humanistic things and human nature that is still relevant today that you need." But because you feel like you know it all, or you can Google it or Wikipedia, you don't need this insight of the direction that you're headed. So again, please answer both of our questions. Let me ask yeah, you yeah, a yeah. question. Yeah. Go ahead. And it's a two. It's a two-parter. Um, so me personally, you know what I mean? I figured out something was wrong because I'm I'm very vocal. I've been vocal my whole life. I used to get joked on by how much I can express my feelings and tell somebody like, yo, I don't like that. So for me, I've said multiple times on multiple occasions what I don't like. And then their sorries, their apologies, you know, whoop-de-whoop. With anyone in this world, if they apologize and don't change their behavior, like that's manipulation. They're they're not sorry. It's not an apology. So so now this is why our generations, I feel like, kind of swap places with some people's lives because as millennials, we were having to hold our parents accountable. That's 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 a problem. The 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 parents should be teaching the children how to hold themselves accountable. The child should not be saying, "Yo, mom, you hurt me. Yo, oh, you'll be all right. My mom did this to me." No, no, that's unhealthy. So the problem is they don't. They, I agree with what she's saying. They don't know how to communicate with us. As people who've been in the streets, been in the hood, how important is it to know the lingo of the locals? You have to know how people speak. So you can't talk to us how y'all talk to each other 50, 60 years ago. Because at that time, religion was huge in our community. Right now, spirituality, I would say, is bigger in younger people than religion is. So spirituality, the thing that stops y'all at the door is the same shit my parents did to me. I don't care what good intentions you have. Don't speak doubt into what I'm doing. Don't speak failure into what I'm doing. Don't speak negativity into what I'm doing. I am going to cut you off. And that's how a lot of us was being raised. Oh, little Johnny lazy. He don't want to work. He need to go get a job. That's not advice. That's not healthy. You're not helping him. You're tearing him down. And that's probably how you've been tearing him down his whole life. Oh, he ain't never going to be able to keep it together. He ain't going to be a good dad. Can't even keep a girlfriend. That's not how you talk to. That's not how I am talked to by anyone. I told my mom this to her face. You will talk to me with respect. I don't care how old I am. You will respect me. I'm a human being. I'm not just your child. I'm not just your employee. I'm not just your servant. I'm a human being. Talk to me with some respect. Don't speak doubt into anything I'm doing. If you have nothing, what did grandma say? If you have nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Where, where did that go? Because we didn't grow up on that. We got beat up verbally. If, if someone thinks that's communication, they're toxic. You have to talk with someone with respect if you want results. But getting talked down to and then being confused why that person is not listening to you, that's that's insanity, man. Like that, I don't that I can't was, wrap my head around that. I will say this. Millennials, anybody was born probably around between 1988 and, and during that whole millennial time. Yeah, I, was that was born in I was born in 88. So, yeah. So that was the first time we saw, as you guys got older, the younger person dictating the terms of how they were going to have a relationship with their parent. Yeah. That was the first time we saw that in, in the history because prior to that, even as an adult, you didn't tell, you still had that childlike respect 
for your parent. I don't care how old you were. And your parent could say, your parent could say, I'm your mother, I'm your father. But but when the millennials came, that's what I, I even me as, as a Generation Xer, and I would see, you know, I, I told you the story. I, I've always had, you know, friends from Yavis and all of them that were, you know, millennials. And I would see how, not Yavis per se, but I'm talking about the, the people in his age, age group. Range. But, yeah, shout out to Yavis. That's the homie. Yeah, that would dictate how the relationship was going to go as an adult. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this, this is something. <laughs> But I think I think that's where it's lost in communication still, because and this is just my perspective. I don't think it was respect with y'all. I think it was fear. And the problem is with them is we stopped being afraid. My generation wasn't afraid. That's where they lost us. They couldn't fear us into being good kids. No, you had to respect me and I'm going to respect you That because that's what we were being taught. You can't teach me to go out in the world and you got to respect these people to get respect from me. And then I got to come home and you demand respect from me. That don't make sense. You That's a contradiction. So most of our lives were contradiction. The old head in the neighborhood. Oh, young blood, don't smoke. Why you got a cigarette in his ear? Like, huh? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Let's start living spiritually. That means if you want to give advice and tell somebody how to live a better life, you need to be living a better life. See, a lot of us, our parents was just telling us shit to do. They weren't even doing Oh, you need to but, save money. You need to put money away. You need you don't have no money put in the bank. You need to respect your elders. You talk like shit to my grandmother. Like, y'all leave my grandmother at home by herself all day. Is that is that what we call in respect now? See, my generation is about real respect and honor and loyalty. It's because we had no choice. Psychology became a thing in the 90s, a big thing. So we had no choice. It was either learn this shit or get sent to jail get sent to the mental insane asylum or get sent to the hospital. I Most of my friends lived in the hospital. They were either sick, had to go get their medication, or they were just exhausted and drained. They were stressed at 18 and 17. And it's because they're dealing with real life issues at home. And when the, I say it all the time, when the adults are being children, the children have to be adults. We all had to grow up too soon. So yes, a lot of the resentments behind that. I wouldn't even say we don't love our parents. I would say we're holding them to a higher standard they've never been held to. And that's uncomfortable, especially to have your kid do that to you. But who who better? I would be grateful for that. I'm grateful for when my kids teach me things. You know what I mean? When they're three years old, I apologize to them. Yeah. Everyone deserves respect. Point but that's where, period. That's where, you know, the grace goes both ways because... You know, as I stated before, um, yeah, for for Pooh, he, I, I have to say he now because he is a he, but then he was a she. And, and therefore, it was like, as you got to be seven, eight years old and you picked up things so fast, I don't have a babysitter, but you know really how to run this this operation without me. You know what I'm saying? You do it while I'm at home. I don't have to get up extra early now because you make your own breakfast. I don't have to do it. You know how to change the channel on the television. You know when it's a certain time to go out and when it's a certain time to come at home. So by the time you're eight years old, well, mom is at work and I got to go to the studio real fast. Hey, do me a favor. Watch the system for me and I'll be right back. Yeah. We yeah. Uh, 
Be because honestly, I did wait until at least eight or nine. I'm thinking eight or nine is a good age because I'm on my own at five, four and five years old. So I'm thinking eight or nine, you're good. I'm not thinking that you're like, this is too much for me. I, I, that's not what I'm thinking at all. Like, well, shit, yeah. I was on my own at five. And that, but that's not everyone's, you know, case. And I don't think more times than not, it's not because a lot of us were like that. You know what I mean? I knew how to cook and do things at eight and nine. I knew how to cut the grass. I could clean anything that I could need to do. I could do. I knew if something was wrong, who to call. There was the list on the refrigerator of numbers to call. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't about that. It was see now you're circling back to I'm showing you the point I was making. We didn't get any grace for that. A lot of us kids in my generation was doing that shit out of love. We were doing that because we seen y'all were exhausted. So we're trying to we're trying to take off of your plate. We're trying to help you out. And just to turn around and not get any grace and credit. So it's going to start making us resent that. It's going to start making us resent taking care of people because they're not even identifying it as that. They're like, oh, you're trying to grow up too fast. No, motherfucker, you, you fall straight asleep. I'm trying to help you out. Like... Clearly, you look tired. <laughs> so let me make dinner for the little kids. Let me get to help them with the homework. And then we get shit talked about us. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean. Grace has to be two ways. That's what grace is. We never were looked at like, damn, maybe this little motherfucker trying to help me. It's like that. Oh, no, you trying to, you think you better than me? You trying to one-up me? You think you grown now? Like, how did it come to that? <laughs> how did it, how did it get to that? What if I was just trying to help? explain that because this is why i have to give grace to what we call if, if we were to say modern women we're, we're really saying millennial we're, we're, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely and the reason why it, I, I, this was just shared in the pretty and petty uh page i taxed my youngest daughter with standing up to me right uh-huh i this was about 18 and 19 up until how she is now, which is about 26. But all her life, I'm grooming her to be an independent person because yeah. I don't want her to be the way my sisters and the, the women turned out when, when I was growing up. So, you know, get straight A's, be smart. And, and they, 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 they held true to it. Honor roll, Dean's List, National Honor Society, you know what I'm saying? Becoming very smart and productive people. Having jobs, both of them having jobs at nine and eight years old, not only one job, but two jobs. So they're required to, to maintain this GPA and they're working at the cleaners where they're helping uh, their grandmother with her cleaning job. So they get paid, you know what I'm saying, whatever they get paid to help her, you know, change the linings. And then they get their licensed babysitting situation popping, you know what I'm saying? So they can do that now, you know, and get paid for that. So they're making their own money nine ten years old you know what i'm saying getting good grades in school getting all these accolades fast forward to 18 years old you can't tell me shit i've been an adult i've been an adult really for the last 10 years so what can yep. you really tell me but now i want to put this i'm your dad then like no no <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's so funny is that is now coming out which i don't think what you were trying to do is the wrong thing you know what I mean? I think, you know, again, as we heal trauma, we cause more trauma. Trauma isn't a bad thing. Trauma just cannot go unattended. That's when it becomes bad. 
the trash ain't a bad thing, but if you leave it in your house for a year, it will become a bad thing. You got to take these things out. You got to release. You dig what I'm saying? So I'm seeing a lot of these women in like the podcast community in like arenas that I'm in and groups that I'm in that are saying this independent ass is um, the world says it came from my mom, but it really came from my dad. And I yeah. had the dad in the house and he was constantly telling me, don't date no broke nigga. Don't, you got to have your own. You don't got to rely on it. And they're like, they didn't know how to interpret that at that young age. So they're thinking, oh, I just got to do me, have me be independent. You know what I mean? When they witnessed their dad being in the house, helping the mom. <laughs> so they're, they're confused, like, wait. And I never even thought of it that way until they started to you speak on it more. Because I instantly you think, oh, she like this because her mama. She her mama. You know what I mean? And it's like, no. Sometimes, men, we're planting these seeds, and we're not nurturing the seed. We just plant it, and then it grows wild. It, it becomes whatever it wants to become. You know what I mean? And um. I seen one of the comments. Um, she was saying like everything I said was just in my household. Like, I mean, yeah, I can only see this is why I don't really give people advice. I can only give you my experience. I can't tell you how your childhood was. I can only speak on mine. You know what I mean? But this is only your household is is semantics. A lot of us are going through the same issues. And again, listen, there's podcasts out here, there's people talking. I do therapy, I sit down, people are saying the same thing I'm saying, and they Love their parents. This isn't about not liking your parents. This is about accountability. If I can't hold you accountable, don't tell me we have any type of dynamic you think we have. If I can't tell you the truth about yourself, don't call me your brother. Don't call me your best friend. Don't call me your son. These titles have to be earned. And we got too comfortable with just giving them away and accepting titles we didn't earn that now we get uncomfortable when someone tells us about ourselves when they call us out. That's how I got here. I've been called out my whole life. <laughs> That's how I got here. And that's okay. Everyone has their opinion. Everyone has their view. You know what I mean? But clearly these things are real because we're having these conversations. This isn't just a few people experiencing this. There's a lot of kids out here who feel like they grew up on their own. And that's the shitty thing. I wouldn't want anyone to go through that. That's a hard feeling. And but, but the hardest feeling is this is why we need to give grace to the Generation X. Let me... I'm, I'm gonna read yours, Dre. Dre. I want. I want before. I want to read her comment before you respond to what I'm about to say to you. Okay. I want the children of the millennials to give grace to Generation X. Is because we try to do everything different, and so what the insult is. A lot of times is we try to do everything different than our parents did. We try to move you all to the suburbs. We try to get you in the better schools. We tried a lot of things that we were not afforded to. And not to say that we're going to hold this dangling carrot on your hand and say you should be grateful. But damn, should we be condemned for trying to do better? And, and, and that's my question. So Drea Drea says, I think because we don't know what grace looks like because we weren't given grace before and sometimes we don't believe that we don't deserve it. But I'm saying like, I, I guess I am. And honestly, like, give me a little credit for trying to change the dynamic. Give me something. Like, don't just say, I yeah. fucked up your life or I ruined your life. Like, damn. My parents didn't give a fuck. So at least right, I, right. this is where the grace 
from the millennials is that what we're trying to say as parents of Generation X, like, well, damn, we tried. Yeah, I think um, to answer what you were saying, for my speaking for myself, you know what I mean, in my generation, I mean, the credit was given up front. Like, we loved... We loved parents in my generation, love we was not getting in return. Let's call it spade a spade. We loved them more than they loved us back. So right now, the reason it feels the way it feels is because, again, we're not moving about this in a healthy way. We're trying to skip steps. You can't just jump to Gen Z without the millennials. People do this to me all the time in my family, people I don't know. You can't come up and tell me. I'm an idiot and you don't like me and then try to walk past me and hand my kids some candy. No, bro. No, hell no. I have to be included in that. So if you want something with my kid, you have to make things right with me. If things ain't right with me, I don't want my kid having anything with you. And that's my decision. Because again, our parents haven't quite understand this yet. These are my kids. These are not your kids to try to right your wrongs with. These are my kids. So if you want a relationship with my kid, have a relationship with me. If you're saying you don't need to have a relationship with me, why would you have a relationship with my kids? That don't make sense to me. You're trying to have one without the other. No. You know what I mean? If you want water to drink from, you're going to need a well. You're going to need a lake. You can't just be sitting here saying, I need water. You got to take all the necessary steps. This is, again, what my generation is upset about. You're trying to have a life with us without us. How? I grew up in that. I rarely was around family, but let me come in a room and talk to other people. Oh, my son's on the basketball team. He got good grades. He's a good kid. He holds the door open for the elderly. He does charity. Me and you never had these conversations. You only having them with other people. See, you want to use me to your benefit, but you don't actually want me. My kids mm. is a package deal. Relationships in my generation, them kids is a package deal. Stop trying to take the kid without the person or the person without the kid. We are suffering from this right now. You have to take everything in its entirety. So, no, our generation has decided we're not going to be left out. They try to leave us out of the market. Oh, y'all can't smoke weed. Okay, everything we do gets criticized. Everything. Then it's like, oh, yeah, bring your kids over. No, absolutely not. <laughs> so you can do them how you did me? Because that's still a, a potential that that can happen. Well, you know, here's the thing. Here's the sad part. Is that once that child becomes an adult, and I'm speaking from my situation. Uh -huh. Once I became an adult, I had my parents having a problem with me, my kids having a problem with me, and they're interacting. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm being left out. I'm like, yeah. so well, here's, here's where my hurt was. And I said, and I, I really was like, man, F all y'all. Because it was like, yeah. you're willing to right your wrong but my children are not giving me grace for trying to write what was in myself. I just didn't have enough time per se. And I, and honestly, I'm, I'm going to really be keeping a buck with you. In 1995, I didn't know what the hell healing was. I didn't know what trauma yeah. Yeah. words. <laughs> I didn't know what mental health was. Yeah. All I knew was how to be tough and strong and not dwell on things and not, this is what, it, it, uh, this was raised from a, a person who raised me that was born in 1929. You know, yeah. you talk about he wasn't even a baby boomer. He was. <laughs> <laughs> she says something. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know that was a generation you put everything under the rug. You didn't. You didn't let nobody know about nothing. So, like I told you before in the last episode, 
I was not allowed to feel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Your mom's not in your life. I'm not going to let you dwell on that. Your dad's in prison. I'm not going to let you dwell on that. You're not You're not going to feel sorry for yourself. Toughen up. You know what I'm saying? She She is the one who gave me the masculinity I had. My, my, my grandmother gave me that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. don't deal with you don't cry. You don't, you know what I'm saying? So, so therefore, I'm just this ball of confusion, but still trying to give, put it this way. I try to give my kids love without a definition or a know-how. It was just like, hey, yeah. if it's a Game Boy you want, fine. If it's the new Nike you want, all, all you got to do is this, 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 and this. You know what I'm saying? You can, and this is what I, I couldn't understand either, is that I think I was trying to give them the mental toughness that my grandmother gave me while trying to spoil them at the same time. And yeah. it was very. <laughs> yeah. We all do that. We all do what we think we should is right, which shows there is no right or wrong way. Kids want effort. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, accountability has to be in everything we do. It has to, I know kids love their parents unconditionally. They're, they're going to try to love you no matter what you do. I've seen yeah. kids hurt by their parents and they still want to love them. You know what I mean? Physically hurt, like, and they still want to love them. So it's, it's grace has to be giving two ways. Our generation is tired of this one way street shit. It has to be giving two ways. You know what I mean? So the grace that we're now looking for, the grace that we're now trying to get is let us feel, let us have these conversations. I grew up, I've been hearing my whole 30 some years of life on this planet well, this person hurt me. Oh, but that's your mom. This person didn't right. show up for me. Oh, but that's your dad. Like, what? That don't mean anything <laughs> to me. That means nothing to me. That doesn't make me feel better. That doesn't fix my problem. That doesn't hold them accountable for what they did. Now you're just trying to sweep it under the rug, probably because your parents did some shit to you that you don't want to hold them accountable for. So now you can't let me hold my parents accountable because now we would all be holding each other accountable. That's the right. issue. That's our issue we have as a society. People don't want to be held accountable. They want to be audacious, but they don't like the blowback. You know what I mean? Like, so stop having kids. Give your kids away. Go do something else. But the worst kind of parent to me is who's half in, half out. Pick a lane. Either you're going to be there or you're not. And things are going to get hard, especially as they get older. See, a lot of people are basing parenting on when they're kids. No, wait till they get 16. Wait till they get 18. Wait till they actually start questioning the things they're saying. Then it's going to see what type of parent you are. That's what I look forward to. I love that because I want to be a good parent. I don't want to be better than my parents were. I just want to be a good parent. You know where the questions come from? When the child in their teenage years start emulating the same behaviors and you're condemning them for it. Yes. And then they'll turn like, but you, 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 you. You still you. do it. <laughs> So, so who who just who texts those people? You get what I'm saying? That's that's the problem. And then a lot of our parents didn't have very active grandparents. They raised them up, but at the time it was shit. When you 18, you on your own. So now I, I, they have no one to check them. They have no one to say you're wrong. We talked about this on the show when we were talking about psychopaths and sociopaths. A man can become a narcissist when he can't be challenged in the home. So now you got all these men and women who the kids can't even challenge you. They can't tell you you're wrong. How do we think that's going to end up healthy? You're going right. to mess up their mind. And then guess what they're going to go out and do in the world? Mess up someone else's mind. And then guess what they're going to do? So, yes, this is a part of your responsibility. 
And that's why our parents skated behind the under the rug because there's fault and there's responsibility. And there's some things that are your fault that are your responsibility. There's certain things that's not your fault, but still your responsibility. There's some things that's neither. So they just wanted to live on the part of responsibility, but they never wanted to take fault for the fact you're putting these lessons into me or you sent me to this school where I got hurt at. You sent me to this doctor who gave me this misinformation. You sent me to this family member's house who violated me. Who was going to take the blame for this? Because we had to. We had to heal from being a victim. Like, come, like, that I, That pissed me off. You know what I mean? I, I, I love people to death. I love people to death. I always try to lead in love, but eventually I had to start loving myself. And I and you can't just keep loving on somebody that's hurting you, man. Like, it's, it's going to mess with your soul. Um, Adrian Bowyer says they're trying to find redemption from how we were raised or treated. And it's not so much Generation X, Adrian, is not looking so much for redemption. Just a little bit of a little bit of understanding, because I believe that Generation X is accountable. I, I do believe that we are the generation that does know how to say I'm sorry. The generation prior to the baby boomers and prior they they didn't know how to say I'm sorry. To this day, you know, my father doesn't know. I, I've, I've apologized to my children profusely um, for my mistakes. Um, I did say in her adult years, I said, I, I can't keep, I can't keep being in this, this humble state. You know what I'm saying? Now we'll deal with things, but I, I can't keep this guilt cape on me. You know what I'm saying? Like I've apologized, I've made, uh, amends and atone and things of that nature, but any you can't give me this convenient guilt cape either. You know what I'm saying? Anytime Absolutely. you want to, then you'll put this cape on me, and I have to, you know. I and 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 this is what I came to the conclusion uh, for a lot of people in my family. It was like I'm cool with you not talking to me. But don't expect me to come jump into you when you're ready to talk either. Yep. You know what I'm saying? There it is. Don't don't come when when you're ready to make amends and you're done. You know, with your your uh, your your control, you're you're controlling it. When you're done with your control, like you know what, I want to have a relationship with dad, or I want to have a relationship with my brother, or I want to have a relationship with my cousin. It doesn't work like that because I had to sit in isolation while you figured it out. So give me that yeah. same grace. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not diminishing your generation. You know what I mean? Because you're on the younger side of the generation X. Like my parents are in mid-60s. You know what I mean? Okay. So they they had different philosophies. You're closer. You're like in the middle. You think a lot like how millennials think, but you have the experience that they have as well. You know what I mean? And you have the insight that they have as well. So you're a perfect catalyst. And I would agree with you there. The Generation X is saying sorry more than their parents. But that's where we come to parenting. There is no minimum. We have to give everything that we have and hope it sticks. We can't just try to nitpick the things we did and say, well, this should be enough. Again, that's why my generation's so upset. People are trying to tell us what we should accept or what's enough for us. If I want to hug and you to tell me I love you every day, that's what I want. You're not going to give it to me once a week and say, well, this is enough. It ain't enough. <laughs> it ain't enough. Because you're going to get upset when you see someone else giving it to me. So give me what I want or get out my way. <laughs> We've been gaslighted to how we are supposed to feel. 
You know what I mean? And feelings is not a debate. I tell people this on the internet all the time. I'm not debating your feelings. You feel how you feel. We're debating what you plan to do with those feelings. We're debating what's going to happen next. Because a lot of us just have all these feelings and they're unheard. They're un they're unaffected. You'll tell somebody how you feel and they're just like, okay. So anyways, what you want for dinner? No, we got to sit and address these things, even if it hurts. This is where we got to give ourselves grace. Someone is not calling you out. More times they're not just trying to educate you. But if you're not used to someone telling you about yourself, you're always going to assume the worst. You're always going to assume they're attacking you. And why else would somebody put their defense up other than they feel like they're being attacked? Me telling you the truth about how I feel is not an attack. Me telling you that I want to be treated better is not an attack. You dig what I'm saying? That's communication. That's communication. So it's not so much that I need this communication with my parents. My children need to see me healthily communicate with people. That's grace. I don't have a problem with nobody, but that doesn't deter from the fact I'm going to live life a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm going to enforce that. But Mark, I tell people this is the for sure way to push someone out of your life when not only do they try to communicate how they feel, but you make them feel bad about how they feel mm -hmm. and you do nothing to make them feel better or see a future within them. Man, I don't know how many times I have to tell people like, after a while, you obviously don't want me in your life. You yeah. obviously, because if I feel like I'm at war with you anytime I try to communicate how I feel, I'm not going to be here too much longer. Yeah. Now, for those who feel like, you know, you can be without me, more power to you. But I was watching, um, what was it? It was a documentary, NWA, and it was uh, the actual movie, Straight Outta Compton. Okay. And Dre was talking about Suge, and he was like, there is no dollar amount that's worth my piece. You can have it all. <laughs> you can have everything. I don't care about. When I want my piece, I don't care about whose side is who. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what the public. I don't care what you tell the public at this point. If I am not at peace in the situation, I have to find solace. And this is what I'm telling people on both sides of the fence. If you're providing uh, a place of confusion for your spouse, I mean your wife, bro, it's not going to be too long before she's out of there. Same right. with the husbands. If you're not listening to your husband and you think everything is one side and he's supposed to do everything and cater to everything, he's not supposed to have any feelings, he's not going to be there too much long. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm with you is that the grace is I'm really going to listen to what you're saying. I'm going to digest it. And in the area we can compromise, in the area we can compromise. But in the area that you need this from me, my love and grace says, I'm going to provide this for you. And I think that's that's the key towards a healthy relationship. Yeah. And that's all that's something we can't make generational. Everyone does that. Everyone and, and who cares what generation it started with? It's here, it's prevalent, it's things we need to heal, it's things we need to work on. You know what I mean? Can communication is a foundation of any type of relationship. There has to be clear communication, or there has to be a consensus, there will be no communication. All of that's grace. That means now I'm not stepping on your toe and we're not trying to get in each other's way. That's grace. That's the most grace I have for my enemies is mercy. 
Once I lose that mercy, I lose my grace. I'm, yeah. I'm whoever I need to be in this situation. That's my grace for myself saying I need to go home to my kids and my family tonight. So right. I'm going to be whoever I need to be because you've allowed it to go that way. And I can give myself grace because I know I don't fuck with people. I don't gossip about people. I don't spread bad news and lies about people. So if me and you have a misunderstanding, I can with 99% certainty say it's you. Because I don't even do shit like this. I answer to things. I address it. I don't instigate. I don't start it. This is, this is exactly why I've adopted the motto this year. It's a problem when 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 i do it i mean it's cool when y'all do it but it's a problem when i do it. so therefore the thing is i'm a people pleaser i and people know this about me. i don't care for my kids and and everybody's manipulated it you know what i'm saying because they, they know that i look out for people you know what i'm saying but when the, when 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 i say it's enough when i say like or if i need this little bit from you and i gotta go through hoops and problems i'm like yo yeah then i I'm the asshole at that point because yeah. I know I'm only asking this little from you from the, the lot that I'm giving. And if you can't give me this little, then I, I'm going to make everybody have a bad day. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day. Yeah. And, and, and some people can tell me that that's manipulation on my part. And I know it. I, I, I know it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like all the grace that I've been giving you, you have now, you have now taken advantage of it. You have now taken, like, I understand, okay, you're having a bad day, so I'm not going to say the wrong thing to you. Or you're, you know, this is this is happening, that's happening. I'm not, I'm going to walk around that. But the day that I need grace, I need you to give me that same grace, too. You know what I'm yes. saying? <laughs> and, and, it's just, and, and I think that's a new word that we're adding. So we, we had grace, we had forgiveness, and we had, we had just the, 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 the termination of the relationship. But yeah. the reciprocation... Yes, is where is where I think reciprocation and grace needs to be married. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because as we give that grace on the on our bad days, we need it back. We we, we need we need that to go both ways. And I think that's what a lot of people who feel like they're in a dominant position or they're in a grandiose position is like, well, who am I? Yeah, I I'm in this position, so. They need me more than I need. No, you need each other. Right, right. You know and those I mean? are usually people that don't receive the grace. You know what I mean? I, I'm a firm believer of what you feed will grow. And a lot of times, I, I, it, it was, I would be remiss to say people don't know what grace is. That's bullshit. They know what it is. They use it all the time. They just don't use it intentionally. You know what I mean? We've spoke on it multiple times on this show. You have the good guy, and he's out in public. And he's melting down. He's cussing. And someone that knows him is like, yo, what did y'all do to him? Because <laughs> he don't act like this. So y'all must have did something to him that has him like this. That's grace. See, my re reputation is like that because I don't mess with people. So when niggas see me like you see me on the internet, you're like, yo, who pissed him off? <laughs> That's grace. Because through my reputation, you don't see me doing that every day. That's not my reputation. So you're not going to look at that as, oh, it's just Tuesday. You're going to look at that as, yo, he must have stepped on a Lego or who who took his cereal this morning? Like, what did y'all, like, leave that man yeah. alone. <laughs> so that we have to start giving ourselves that grace. You know what I mean? Um, this is another mantra I give people. 
Stop allowing your brain to trick you into thinking you just because you're having a bad day, you have a bad life. That's where you have to give yourself grace. That's where I write down the good things I do. And it ain't just being a parent, being black and having long hair. It's things I actually do in this world. Yo, you gave that man your last sandwich and you was hungry, but he was hungrier. You know what I mean? You was you was making some good money in that position, but you wasn't happy. So you stepped down so this person who really needs it and can do it better than you can do it. You know what I mean? She really likes you, but it, it, it ain't reciprocated. So you step off so she can find her husband or her wife. That's right. grace. You know what I mean? And we lack humility, so we don't have any grace because we're selfish. I, I agree right. with her. We, we're ego-driven. And there is no grace in that. It's crabs in a barrel. It's everybody stepping on everybody's neck. It's everybody got to get ahead. Oh, he ahead of me. I got to get ahead of him. Grace is saying, I don't have to win this race. He may need this win more than me. I got 10 gold medals at home. I don't need this win. I came here so my kids can see me race. I don't have to be trying to compete with this man and step on his neck so he can lose. This may be the first thing he's ever won in his life. This is why I make so many friends, because they can feel that. It becomes my reputation to get out the way. It becomes my reputation not to respond and retaliate. That's grace. But I still need my grace as a human when you see me retaliating. Because you know I ain't like this all the time. See how grace goes both ways. And, and, and here's how, you know, grace gets disintegrated. Is that both parties have to be willing to be accountable for the yeah. part that they played. And if, if you have two, if you have one person that's willing to be accountable, the other one, it's still going to frustrate the person who is willing to seek amicable re resolution. Because it's like, okay, I'm not going to let you continue to dump on me as well. If you're not going to be set, if you're not going to be willing to say, I played a part in this too. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times, like you said, whether it's children, parent, or whether it's spouse, it's like one person is always being the humble one. One person is always saying, I'm sorry. One person is always saying, yeah. you know, and, and, and that person may not be doing it, uh, because they really want to take on the brunt, they may be doing it just for the sake of peace. They may be doing it for the sake of, but if you have this one person who can't be accountable for anything, that becomes a very frustrating relationship because at the same time, I tell people, for a spoiled person or a brat or anybody like that, you may be getting your way, but you don't even know you're building resentment in a good person. You don't, you don't know that you may be building animosity within a person that could hold you down if you were accountable. But you'd rather have your way instead of, you know what I'm saying, or, yeah. or, or taking a look at yourself and saying, you know what, this person might need an apology. This pipe person might need a little bit. This person might need me to pipe down just a little bit. But this is why, you know what I'm saying, we're running amok right now with people's emotions because yeah. people don't be accountable. They don't want to look at themselves. And it's how they live their life. That's a hundred percent the reason. People always, even when I do therapy, I sit down with kids, mentees, whoever. They're confused on why I say the things I say and why I'm comfortable with knowing what I know. Because I can have a conversation and listen to your routine and habits and tell you a lot how your life is going. So a lot of people who aren't giving themselves grace, they'll never learn to give you grace. That's not a part of what they naturally do. You know what I mean? And grace has to be put in in majority of the things we touch. It has to be led with grace. 
we have to understand intentionally why we're doing what we're doing. The reason we get it, I'm speaking for me and you, is because something I get condemned for is because we're empaths. So we already are trying to understand how someone feels. I'm already trying to understand if I stepped on your toe. I'm already trying to understand if me stepping up in line to get this plate, this is the last plate, and there's 10 hungry people behind me. I'm already trying to be understanding so you don't have to do that with me. I do that in isolation. I do that when I heal. So now it makes a better experience for me when I deal with people because you don't have all my shit you have to deal with. We just get to communicate. We get to converse. You know what I mean? I use my Zodiac. But again, if you lack grace for yourself, uh, an empath, narcissist, introvert, that's not real. That's not. See, grace is just trying to accept maybe I'm 100% I'm truthful in what I'm doing. But if you're trying to look at how it's wrong or you're trying to speak doubt into it, you know what I mean? That's ego. That's fear. That's why we have we need ego death. That's your ego saying, no, this can't be right. Because if it was right, you would know about it. I would be doing it if it was right. So it can't be right. You know what I mean? Even though I can show you where it works for me in my life. I can show you an empath. That's me. I can see somebody wounded and I start feeling them same pains in my side. I'm a real ass empath. I have to tone it down sometimes. I see somebody crying. I just want to run over there like, yo, what they do? <laughs> the fuck happened? You know what I mean? Like, so this shit is very real, but we need grace for these things. And that's the sad part about a lot of this is that people are willing to either destroy or walk away from relationships versus being accountable and coming up with a com I mean, it's really sickening that people are like, well, just let them go. Yep. You have to. You could have, you could there are some things that you could have done to be like, yo, we can fix this, we can work through this. But people are so prideful these days. And and that pride and that unwillingness to hold themselves accountable is the reason why all of these relationships are in turmoil because yep. nobody is willing to say, you know what? That was my fault. Or damn, even though it wasn't my fault, sorry for not understanding. Sorry for not giving you grace. Sorry for at least not being a listening ear. You know what I'm saying? But again, yeah. through social media, through trauma, childhood trauma, it's always a me, 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 me society. It's not a Damn, how did I make you feel when I did that? It's not a it's not an empathetic society, Tim. <laughs> at all. At all. And, and I think it's because of the, the tit for tat. There were so many people who were empaths. They were happy, loving people, and the world started beating them down. The world started taking pieces of that. And by the time they looked up, they didn't have anything left for themselves. So they had to hurry up and scramble and grab pieces. They had to watch TV and grab pieces. They had to get new friends and grab pieces. They had to date people and grab pieces. I was doing the same thing. I, I looked up in my life and I wanted to go do good. And I was like, damn, I ain't got nothing left. I gave everything away and no one's around. It's just me. You know, um, I was like, fuck. And, and instantly I'm not thinking, okay, I just want to, I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be alone the rest of my life. Cause that you're going to get that. You're going to grow old with a bunch of cats and it's just going to be you. Don't ask for that. There's beauty in having people along this journey. And this is meant to be shared, but we have to get over ourselves. We have to get over thinking our shit don't stink. You know what I mean? And the best way we can do is just assume you're always wrong. You know what I mean? Assume you don't know what you're doing. Because that's going to now lead you to finding the answer. But when you think you're always right and you think there's no problem, you're not looking for a solution. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, 
that is what I've been practicing after I came out of my two years of solitude. Okay. Uh, I, I, I did take two years because my life was definitely in turmoil. But after those two years of solitude, it was a lot of discoveries. Number one, I realized that I didn't take that time to heal. I just took that time to hide. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, but actually, the healing is coming through facing my fears. The, the healing is coming through staying there when somebody has still injured me. The healing is coming through, oh, this didn't kill me. Oh, okay. And not only is it healing me, it's making me tougher. You know, emotionally tougher to not run anymore, to not hide anymore, to not just, and it's not so much cutting people off, but I make the decision on whether I want to go to this venue or if I want to go to this event or if I want to go around these people, depending on what they're going to deplete me of. You know what I'm saying? If I know that I'm going to be depleted after I leave this, I choose just not to be around that person. But I'm not, I realize now I'm not running from that situation or I'm not yeah. hiding from that. I'm making a choice. I don't like this environment. I'm not going. Or I don't like this group of person. I'm not going to fuck with you. But now it becomes more of a choice. But like you said, I had to come to that conclusion that, hey, you know, before I cut everybody off and end up being by myself, that's not truly healing either. What's the root of the problem? Yeah. And then we start getting into understanding all of these entanglements and dynamics that we're in. We start understanding the point of two parents, not a man and a woman, not a woman and a woman, a man and a man, two parents. Because you start understanding now you're giving this kid perspective through two personalities. I love these videos. I watch them all the time when, you know, it's the mom playing with the kid and the kid fall or something and they want to console them and the dad's like, nope, let them get up. <laughs> and then you got the videos of the dad doing too much and the mom's like, not my baby, like move. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they need both of those. They need that balance. <laughs> Because this is just teaching them which side they're going to go down. And then the yin and yang is they're going to find a person who does the opposite. And we're going to bring that together. See, a lot of us, we've just been huddling around people like us. And those are the most annoying people in the world. I don't like people like me. They annoy, At times, I annoy myself with the shit I do. I don't yeah. want another motherfucker like me. <laughs> annoying me. I want to be the only one do that, that do that annoying shit. And then I want people who do different things that show me different perspective and help me deal with my levels, because sometimes I'll hear someone see something get upset, and I got to give myself grace. Like, you don't even know what that conversation is about. Like, humble yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stop ear hustling, because you about to make yourself mad, and you don't have none of the facts. So that's grace. It's talking ourselves off the ledge. It's talking ourselves off the cliff. It's making sure this action I'm about to take, this is what I want to actually do. I'm not just reacting to a situation. And that starts in the home. It's not just the parents' fault. But it starts in the home and then they have to nurture it and other people come along and nurture it as well. When you don't have that peace, it's difficult. When you have that peace, it's difficult. There's kids out here who are upset their parents were too much in their lives. And then there's kids that were upset their parents weren't in their lives at all. Yeah. <laughs> How can you win? <laughs> you dig? So the goal is not to win. There's not even a goal. It's a journey. Is doing everything that you feel is best. And when you fall short, apologize. And that apology is changing behavior. Not telling them you're sorry. It's learning from your mistakes. And then just keep doing everything you're doing. But I mess myself up trying to be a good dad. I mess myself up trying to be a better dad than was raised me. I mess myself up trying to be the dad I saw on TV. 
And I had to realize I need to be the dad that I was crying out for as a kid. I need to be the man that I wanted to come help save my battles, to come slay my dragons. I needed to be the man that I felt proud telling people I was or a part of. You know what I mean? So we have the answers. We just got to sit and listen to ourselves. And if someone's not listening to you and communicating with you emotionally, you have to cut that off. And I and I have to let people know it's not because they're a bad person. It's because they're altering your journey. They're they're affecting your growth. They're tainting your joy. And you can't let nobody steal your joy, man. You can't. You just can't. And and that leads us to where we are. Um cutting off is not necessarily a perm it doesn't necessarily have to be a permanent thing. You know, uh Later on down the road, you can you 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 can give that person enough grace to grow. You know what I'm saying? And you can do an assessment when you when you come back in contact or encounter that person again. You can do an assessment of their growth and to see if you want to you know reconcile that relationship or if you want to still continue continue to keep your distance. Uh, I, I love the thing that my brother shared. He's like, people got old, but they didn't grow. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that's the, uh, one of the one of my favorite songs is an old school record um, by the Delphonics, and the name of the song is called "Didn't I Blow Your Mind This Time." And the song, if you really listen to the song, "Didn't I Blow Your Mind This Time," it was he was as he's explaining the song to his woman. He said, "Man, I've been giving you grace." He said, "Man, I gave my heart and soul to you, girl. Didn't I do it?" Uh, he said, gave you a love that you never knew, girl. Didn't I do it? But he said, 10,000 times or more, I headed out the door. But this time, I'm telling you, there's no more. Didn't I blow your mind? It was like, this man was willing to take all the abuse and give all the grace he possibly could until he came with his rational mind. This is why I tell people, when you decide to make a decision, do it with your rational mind. And in and, and the song, yeah. this came up with this decision and his rational mind says, I'm not going to do it with any toxicity. I'm not going to separate with any comeback. It was like, listen, I've had enough and I'm out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I yeah. think that's the healthy way to do that is that when you really cut a person off or when you really uh, have to no longer associate with the person, it doesn't have to be announced. It doesn't have to come with a great grandiose kind of situation or a dramatic scene. It's just that in your rational mind, this relationship no longer serves you and you have to separate yourself. Yeah. And the grace is the education. It's sometimes realizing you should have never been there in the first place. You know what I mean? So 99.9% .9 of the time, we're the problem. It's our fault. I have homies to this day. I still teach them about that song, the lesson in that song. You can't love no woman into loving you. I, women, I tell the same thing. You can't love somebody so good they start to love you back. If you got to go that hard, it's not reciprocated. Reciprocation has to be in the beginning, and we've all done it. We've all tried to woo somebody and sweep them off their feet like they do in the movies and the books. No, it has to be reciprocated. And as men, this old head told me once, go after the woman that loves you. <laughs> you dig? <laughs> you will love even if you just like her strongly you'll learn to love her by how she loves you by how she takes care of you men want to be taken care of but they also want to feel useful so we try to useful our way into a wife you can't do that because what if she don't need everything you bring to the table she's never going to be satisfied you Ooh. know what i mean
So the, yeah. that's the thing where it comes to words get, you know, evil intentions like manipulation. Because there's two types of manipulation. Loving someone and loving you is manipulating them. But it's also manipulation when I'm in a relationship and they're sad and I'm trying to make them smile and cheer them up. I mean, that's technically, you want to be sad right now. And I'm trying to convince you to be happy. It's all manipulation. But what's the intentions behind it? That's what we got to start paying attention to. You know what I mean? And I've trained my soul to listen to that. I pick up on backhand compliments like it's nobody's business. Because my soul is like, my ears heard you, but my soul is like, what that nigga say? You're like, hold up, what? (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, we have to start building that up, that discretion, that discernment. Ironically, all things we learn in the church, grace. You know what I mean? I've been broken up with people in my 20s because I didn't go to church because I wasn't a Christian. That was the only reason. Like, that's not discernment. That's not grace. That's trying to manipulate someone into believing what you believe. That's trying to bully them into loving you the way you want to be loved. But as a man, I'm trying to discover the way you need to be loved. And if you won't allow me as a secure man, if you won't allow me to love you like that, I'm leaving. That That day, I'm leaving. Ain't no two weeks notice. Ain't no, we're going to try it again, babe. When you get back from my, I'm gone today. I'm going to ask you one more time. <laughs> is this what it is? Because I'm not mad. I just need to know for myself so I can move on with my life. You know what I mean? And I'm not leaving to teach you a lesson. I don't, I don't care to do that. I got, I got things to do. I'm not, I'm not worried about the past. You know what I mean? I'm worried about the present. So men going into these situations, ask yourself, show that discernment. Does this woman love me or is she obligated to me? Does this woman need me in her life or will it just be really nice to have me? You know what I mean? Because don't get in five years and you're like, oh, man, is this where I want to be? Because I think that's fucked up to her. Like, because you knew. You knew this isn't where you wanted to be. That's not fair to her. Tell her that up front. I'm not saying lie to her. Tell her the truth. You know what I mean? You're a wonderful woman. That's grace. You're a wonderful woman, a wonderful mother, human being. I just, I don't see it with us. I don't think the chemistry is there. I don't think it's going to work. Is it grace to, okay, let's say a person started doing things and then they stopped doing things. So you know that they have the potential to do things and it's, 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 it's things that you, you, you like done and you say, hey, you know, hey, this is what I would like to re- re- return or I, w- I would like this to happen. Now, is it grace to say, hey, this is the way I want to be loved? Is it, is it grace to, say, to, to give that communication like, hey, this is the way I want to be loved? I think grace would be trying to find the trigger because I don't think anything's random. I don't think things are coincidental. If someone's been moving in a certain routine and they change that routine, something happened. It doesn't mean an outside force. They could have hit 50. They could have lost their job. You know what I mean? Something happened and they're like, oh shit. So I think the grace of that relationship is real is identifying if you are able to give them what they need now. Let's say they don't want time and attention as much, but that's something you love. So remember, grace has to be reciprocated. So I can mm. come to you and try to find a trigger of why you don't want that anymore. But I can also show myself grace and say, this is something I do want. So I don't feel like I should have to go without it. I feel like you've got me used to this life. So it's cool for you to say, okay, I can't provide it no more, but you can't go get upset if I seek it elsewhere. See, that's Mm. where grace is not reciprocated. People are okay with them changing, 
but they don't want you to change. Nah, 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 nah. See, me, reciprocation is everything in a relationship. I don't initially want to do anything. I want to allow my partner to set the tone. Because once you set the tone, you can't get upset when I'm living in that tone that you created. Because if it was good enough for you, it was good enough for me. That's why I'm always the empath. I'm not trying to force myself on people. I'm not trying to recruit you to my belief system. I'm trying to see what type of person you are and what you feel you need. And I'm going to be honest and graceful enough to say if I can provide it for you or not. I'm not going to string you along. I'm not trying to confuse you. You know what I mean? Because we start confusing people with that. We start trying to discredit now that you don't want to spend quality time because that's my love language. You know mm. what I mean? I start getting discredited because my main love language is words of affirmation. So to okay. a person who wants touch all the time, they can't understand why I'm good with you just telling me you're proud of me and you love me. I don't need you to be all up under me and all over me. Just talk to me. You know what right. I mean? But if that's not how you were raised, you don't have any discernment towards that. You're just like, oh, well, I'm not comfortable with that. So can you learn what I do? Where's the reciprocation in that? I have no problem with learning what you're doing, but ask yourself, are you learning what I'm doing as well? Because if it's quick for you to just take one side, you don't want me. You want what I can do. And you can go find that in, in any of these brothers out here. You don't need me for that. So not just in a romantic relationship, but in, in best friend relationships. And any type of relationship. Associated relationships. Is comfortability sometimes a factor? Yeah. Like, because I always equate friendships like a job interview. You know what I'm saying? everybody's going to present that job interview person in a new encounter. You know what I'm saying? But after a while, once you got the job, now you're not coming to work on time. Now you're not. Now yep. you, know, you ain't in and, uniform no more. You ain't in uniform no more. Okay. Or you don't, <laughs> you're doing everything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so who does the job give you grace? Or, I mean, what, what, where's, where's that come in? Because, the of job. course, the, job hired you based on your qualifications and what you could do. So obviously when your performance is now de de declining, yeah. the job is giving that point, right? The job doesn't have to give you grace because the job's obligation. They created the world where you live in. And truth be told, whether employees feel needed by their job or not, your job does not need you. At one week after you die, they will have a new person in your seat. So they don't have to give you grace. We have to give ourselves grace. So this is what I was talking about with my uncle. It's not always something we got to do or receive. Sometimes grace just needs to be present. So I give myself grace. I did that while I was working. I hated that fucking job. I was ready to leave every day. But I'm like, I need to. I need this for these reasons. So I had to start telling myself, this is temporary. Give yourself grace. This is temporary. Once you leave here, you know what you're prepared to do. So stop beating yourself up about where you are. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? When you come into this job, they, they're miserable. They, they have to make this job life. That's why they're trying to talk to you, be friends. Give grace. You don't have to be friendly with them, but you can say good morning. You can say hello. You can hold the door open. I don't have to come in here and be an asshole either. You know what I mean? <laughs> so just, and, and we do that as people. When we get in the mood, we start treating people like our mood. That There's no grace there. You can be, and you can still be upset. I'm not telling you not to be upset. I'm saying don't take it out on me. <laughs> so if the only way you cannot take it out on, out on me is by calming down i'm gonna ask you to calm down you know what i mean and it's not because i don't want you to be upset i don't want you to do some shit to me that now i'm gonna have to do some shit to you so <laughs> let's give it everyone grace <laughs> and stay in our own safe little circles that sometimes i'm again i'm giving grace because that's my mercy 
You know, I picked that up through experience. We learn life through education and experience. I picked that up on experience. Me and you talk about that all the time. Being in certain neighborhoods made me calm. Being in certain situations made me calm. Hanging around with my homies that are killers made me calm. And it made me calm because I've seen so many situations. I know how quickly this can go left. I know how quickly somebody can end up dead. Somebody can end up in the hospital. I know how quickly somebody's now crying because what they had to do. You done threw your life away. That's why I give grace because I done seen some shit. And it hurts. You know what I mean? So I would be an awful person if I just went around here allowing people to get hurt. Hurt pain I didn't even want to deal with. You right. know, you're a weak person if you're okay with somebody else going through that. So the impact in me is like, okay, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. That's grace. And that's the truth. <laughs> I wouldn't wish being I wouldn't wish being in a negative parenting situation as a mother or father on my worst enemy. That that cripples people. That breaks people. You know what I mean? So I can still not like your motherfucking ass, but I don't want nothing bad to happen. That to me, that's grace. <laughs> now, does, does grace blur in in in, in line as well? And I, I'm I'm referring to what you said uh, about two minutes ago. Uh, there's a there's a excerpt. There's a video with James Baldwin, and I forget the lady that uh, he's sitting across from, but he was like, uh, she said, when you come home. And the man has been beating you down, you know, lie to me like you lie to him. You know what I'm saying? Because he gives you hell. You know what I'm saying? He, You go to work and he gives you hell. And you come home, but you smile at him, but you come home and bring that hell to me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a lot of times, like you said, I remember so many times of my grandmother that cussed me up one day and cussed me up one end and down the other, but get on the phone and talk to her girlfriend like ain't shit going on, you know, like, yo, you, <laughs> you, you just talking to her like you the happiest person in the world. I just got cussed out. I, I didn't, I, I've received the worst of you all day, but you go to the, around these church people and you act like, you know what I'm saying? And, and some people can say like, well, you should know me. You should love me enough to give me grace and to allow me to be myself. But as the woman was saying in the video with James Baldwin, she said, no, lie to me. I don't want your hell. <laughs> lie to me like you do to them. He was like, but he was like saying, I can't lie to you because, you know, I love you. She said, no, that ain't love. <laughs> That's not love. I love, I love, 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 love that, inter that interview. You know what I mean? And shout out to both of them. Um, but I 100% believe, agree with James Baldwin. I've, and this is why duality makes so sense, so much sense to me. I don't consider lying or telling the truth good or bad. You know what I mean? They're just two constructs right. that we use. They're both manipulation. You know what I mean? So people lie all the freaking time. We we have to lie to ourselves. If you're trying to be great in anything you're doing, you have to lie to yourself about where you think you can go, where you think this can be. So, yeah, there's, again, two things can be true. I can come to a job today and tell you, Delane, I'm ready to do the job. And I know I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> but in two months, if I'm doing the job well, would I, would I change how you feel about me doing the job? Yeah, would that I change mean, how I do the job? What Will it matter at that point? It won't matter. You know what <laughs> I mean? When I'm coming into a room and everyone's sad, I'm like, oh, everyone's pretty. Everyone's a winner. Obviously, that's not the case. It's impossible. But it's a lie. It's a comforting lie. 
You know what I mean? When we had to go back in war, we had to lie to each other. Oh, yeah, dad's coming back home. He's good. Everyone comes back home from war. It's a lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're all lies, but it's the intention. This is where magic steps in. It's not telling you do this or don't do that. It's asking, do you know why you're doing that? And what's your next course of action? Are you prepared for what comes with what you're doing? Because there's shit that comes with telling the truth. You know what I mean? That's not always favorable. That's why people lie. <laughs> Empaths, they lie. Educators, they lie. Medical professionals, they lie. Because yeah. sometimes lying is easier than telling the truth. So now Grace is saying, does that make them a bad person because they told you that lie? You, you know, know what I mean? it's, it's funny. I, I take a biblical reference, and I believe it was either, it was Abraham. It was Abraham, and he had uh, to enter in the gates of a city. And so I guess guards in the, in the Bible, uh, guards had, uh, basically, they were barbarians at the time. And they didn't mind, you know, kidnapping and, and, and raping your, your wife or whatever, but they still had a reverence of family. So when they got to the gate of the city, you know, knowing that it was a barbaric city, Abraham and Lida said Sarah was his sister and they had more reverence to not rape her. You know what I'm saying? Because that was his sister. And they felt like he would be more, you know what I'm saying? Protective because that was his baby sister over his wife. And that, that was kind of crazy to me. Like, why would a man of God have to lie? But basically, in order to keep conflict from happening to his wife, he had to lie to the people. So, you know, like you said, I don't like lying, <laughs> per se, but there are some times where you got to... <laughs> yeah, but we, gotta, do, we do the same thing in our communities. You know what I mean? If there's a kid, especially sometimes it, it can be a kid I don't know. If I see them getting picked on, I'm going to tell people that's my cousin just because they know me because my protection is now going to cover them. You know what I mean? When, yeah. when you in the hood, hey, yo, they with me. <laughs> because yeah. you know what could potentially happen if they ain't with nobody. They just wandering around out here. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so your grace now is for them. Like, before you get some shit, yourself into some shit, you don't even know what's going on. I'm telling them you with me. You my people. Rhonda's your aunt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> That's your get out of jail free card. And two, don't come back here no more <laughs> without paperwork <laughs> and a chaperone. <laughs> it's dangerous out here. You know what I mean? Like, we do it all the time. I don't like people who lie for no reason. I don't like people who lie for personal gain. I don't like people who lie to set confusion. You know what I mean? I understand why a person will lie to make somebody feel better. I understand why a person would lie to a child when this is information you feel is too heavy for them or it's too much to process. My thing is be transparent. That's tell them something. So the beauty is, especially of words, words is spelling. It's magic. Words can be manipulated. So if me and you are in a competition and we both say we're going to win, but we both believe we're going to win, are we lying? Because somebody has to lose. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm still living my truth. Because to the outside world, they're saying, well, you said you was going to win. That's first place. I won because I got because I came here and competed. <laughs> I won because I didn't quit. I won because I lost and I was a good sport about it. I made a new friend. 
So I didn't lie. <laughs> I just didn't tell the truth you wanted me to tell. And, and like you said, um, we lie all the time when it comes to jobs. It's like, yeah, all I can do All the time. We, we don't know, but, but what we do know is that there's always training when it comes to jobs. So whether we know how to do it or not, yeah. you're going to be training. So <laughs> I'm going to lie my ass off to get this job, hopefully that you train me to do the job. But I, I, I get totally what you're saying, that there are times that we absolutely have to lie to ourselves. And... Um, and uh, I, I agree with Bill Meyer, uh, Mayer, I think that's how you pronounce his name, um, when he said that when you're in prison, he's like, man, all you got is fame. So you got to tell yourself, hey, I'm getting out next year. I'm getting out yes. just, to keep, just to keep yes. that hope. You know what I'm saying? So that, like you said. That's all successful people will tell you that. You have to damn near seem crazy to be successful because you have to lie to yourself about how big this can go how much you can do, because right now you don't believe it. That's why you ain't doing it. So you have to start believing, and it's going to make you crazy <laughs> because you're going <laughs> to feel like you're lying to yourself. But that's why knowing yourself is the most important thing because then you know your truth. You know what I mean? And it's not the end of the road. I've lied to my kids. That was the trigger. I had to realize I don't have to lie to them in this situation. And your dad, you're late picking me up to school. Oh, yeah, this lady cut me off. And that. And then I realized after three times, I don't have to lie. You know what? I forgot. My bad. I made a mistake. So sometimes <laughs> the thing we're doing is just the trigger to show us how to be better. But we get so caught up in the fact we did it, now we become paralyzed. We can't do anything about it because we don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just keep doing what you're doing. And then eventually you're going to wake up and say, you know what? This isn't good enough for me no more. Let me just tell them the truth. You know what I mean? I used to lie all the time as a kid because I was afraid of getting in trouble. And then when I got big and got older and motherfuckers can't get me in trouble no more or punish me, I'm like, hell, what's the point of lying? <laughs> no, I don't like you. Yes, I stole that candy. Like, yeah, I came to work late all last week. Like, what's the point of lying? You know what I mean? We have to start getting comfortable with the consequences and it's going to start helping us with a lot of those white lies. Lies that you didn't even, you didn't even have to tell that lie. You know, you just lying a lie. Like, so all of this is personal growth to me. It's not more of an indicator for other people to say, oh, you're you're a liar or you're this, you're that. We got to be aware of what we're saying and not just how it makes us feel, but how other people react to what we're saying. You know what I mean? I, I know growth for me and grace for me because I used to be a habitual liar too. And, yeah. I'm, and, and listen, I don't even like white lies anymore, you know, because I, I came to that conclusion myself is that you can't take your bet off of what me and, and and I have to give myself grace for the mistakes I make. So why? And and I don't, I tell you what, once people find out one lie, anything else that you've done up until that point is just basically a write-off at that point. Yeah. I don't want that for me because from that moment that they discover that lie, their perception of you automatically changes. So that's just why you know, I, I I just don't do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, um, I would rather not speak, even if it comes down to do I do I look big in it? Do I look right in this way? How do you feel? I'll turn it back on the person. Like, how do you feel about it? You know what I'm saying? If he, because it's like at this point now, I and like you said, I've grown to the point where I don't mind hurting someone's feelings. I think that's a growth thing too. Is like, yeah, I really mind hurting a feeling I, because my thing is if I love you I'm not going to have you out there looking crazy yes 
whether that's what you wear, that's whether it's your attitude, whether it's, you know, uh, how I feel like you're going to come off. I have to be honest with you because I'd rather you be mad at me than to really you come to conclusion like, damn, you could have told me the truth about how you felt. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad that almost being fit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm glad I'm back. I'm glad that almost being 50. I love when people get older, man, because that filter just comes. Yeah. <laughs> They proud to talk their shit. I love it. We all should be like that. Talk your shit. <laughs> and I and all of this is the scope we have to look to ourselves in. We've become so accustomed to checking other people's shit. We stop checking our own shit. You know what I mean? And we have to let the past die. Even telling a lie does not mean you're a liar. A lie has to be nurtured and kept going. So the way that you heal from that lie. Stop telling the lie. <laughs> stop, just stop saying it. You know what I mean? I slept with all these people. You know it's not true? Just stop saying it. Just like you said, say nothing. That's healing. Just yeah. shut up. <laughs> but you don't have to keep telling the lie because you said it when you were in third grade. Yeah. Say something I, else. People will forget. I promise. They'll move on to the next thing. And and and, and this is this is what I say to these young cats. I think in my 20s, I stopped lying about being gangster. You know what I'm okay. saying? Yeah. In my, in my late 20s and my early 30s, I embraced the fact that I was a super smart, honor roll, scholastic scholar that knew his shit. And I always tell people, I'm not the toughest guy in the world by any means. But I'm telling you, based off of my life experiences, you don't want to tap into that. You don't want to see what's on the other side of that. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's a living the truth to say, I'm not gangster, but you don't want to see what's on the other side of this, this mental illness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's a whole different that's a whole different truth that I had to accept about myself. It's like, why am I acting gangster when I'm not? You know what I'm saying? Why am I trying to be something that I don't have to lie to myself about being gangster when I know that I'm already off my rocker? You know what I'm saying? I don't have to lie yeah. about it. And, and this is what I, I, I really uh, wanted to touch on uh, when it came to, I'm glad we, we, we're ending it here, is Ja and people that are like Ja. Yeah. Give yourself grace uh, that you didn't grow up like the people that you're hanging around. Um, I, I'm going to wait for my man to come back in. There he goes. We good. We still in? Yes, okay. sir. Give yourself grace, John. People like him. Um, the world has made the African-American male feel like he has to be this rough and tough guy. You know, uh, everybody can carry a pistol nowadays. You don't have to be able to know how to fight to defend yourself. You know what I'm saying? To keep people off your ass. You know what I'm saying? There's so much weaponry. There's so many things that you can learn on YouTube. There's so many defense courses, classes, that you can still be yourself and not carry the persona that you're this gangster, that you're really not. You know what I'm saying? And I think this is why, you know, it hurt my heart, but it was cool at the same time that people like Pac and uh, Polo G, these are really scholarly young men that um, felt like they had to put on this mask to be accepted. They felt like they had to put on this mask for, to be heard. And, and, and honestly, society doesn't give grace 
to people who weren't born of that lifestyle. I'm like, you was born in the hood or whatever. Right. And I want to say, you know, uh, America, please give grace to Ja because yeah. he is in a world where he's still trying to find himself too. You, we giving these athletes $200 million and they still don't know who they are. You know what I'm saying? So we yeah. can put fingers at this rapper, that athlete, this person, that person, that person. But they they achieved what they wanted financially, but they still didn't have the love and, 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 and equipped with the emotional stability to handle what they asked for. That's why they say, be careful what you pray for, because you just might get it. Once these people have received what they have received, they still can't process the emotions that come with it. Yeah, I, uh, I have so much to say <laughs> about that situation. <laughs> um. Firstly, he is freaking 23 years old. Like, he's 20. He's a child. I hate when people on the internet get to start playing holier than now and high and mighty. I, let's take anyone on the internet and put their life on CNN. I guarantee somebody is going to have something to say about how you live your life. I, I freaking guarantee it. Like, we can nitpick and dissect anyone's life. But the black people get scrutinized the most. It's like even our people... They are waiting for us to fail. It's like, as soon as you do something, they're like, oh, I knew it. He's so dumb. And I'm dumb because I don't want to protect some money from a job that's not even guaranteed in a world to where there is no job where someone can earn $200 million. Let's call a spade. Nothing is worth that. So this isn't even a real career or a real profession. You're entertaining people for money. What lessons can be learned from that? Entertainers are some of the most messed up people. That, this isn't scholars. These are entertainers. These are people who basketball was their only way out. John might be working at Home Depot if he wasn't in the league. That's the reality of all of this. But, no, I, I hate this whole it's good enough for them to be better, but I don't have to be better. John needs to do this. He got to protect the money. That's not like programming. That's conforming to me. Mm. Well, they're giving me money, so I need to be on my best behavior and have my little bow tie and cut my hair. Man, what? Because of some money? Man, the world is so fucked up. Like, everyone's expecting everyone else to do shit they're not prepared to do. And then there's so much criticism that comes behind it. Mm. I, I I can care less of what Ja's doing, especially the freaking gun. Like, come on now. He didn't even break no laws. Now we're talking about breaking contracts? Like, <laughs> what? And he ain't even got kicked off the team just suspended. So this isn't even technically something they can get rid of you for, just reprimand you. Just do what Adidas did to Kanye. And now look at Adidas. Oh, we should have never let Kanye go. I'm not about to be sucking and jiving for nobody. Like, I, I don't care about no money. I'm going to be who I am going to be, and that's me. And at the end of the day, why can't I be a scholar and a gangster? There ain't been scholars and gangsters through history. Most yeah. Black Panthers were scholars and gangsters. Mm. See, that's why they don't want us to have that gangster part. Because the gangsters we know, we look up to them. The mm. media called them thugs. The media called them criminals. The gangsters I knew, they was paying their mama's mortgage in their 20s. Mm -hmm. They was buying us ice cream from the ice cream store and we had no money. They mm. was giving us money to go to the corner store. They're giving us jobs. They're keeping our neighborhood safe. Mm -hmm. They're the only people I ever seen stand up to the police in my life. They mm. were freaking heroes to us. Right. My movies, my whole life, they were heroes to us. 
Big Meech and Terry grew up in a two-parent home in the suburbs. <laughs> like, well, people don't know what they talking about. <laughs> and you going to tell Big Meech he ain't gangster? Go tell him that. Right. <laughs> he's one of the most intelligent, articulate brothers I've seen in my life. Go tell him he ain't no gangster. Right. And, 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 you, and you're so right. You know, um, we have, and, and even Malcolm X spoke about it. He's like, uh, the political climate uh, will change once the black gangster turns political. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know, I don't, I don't know. Even, even in my dad's era, you know, uh, you know, we, 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 we stay in weird places, me and my father, but I tell you, uh, -huh. uh I did look up to my dad in the eighties because these were, these were killers with soups. <laughs> these were, these were killers with silk soups. You know what I'm saying? You know how the, the image of the gangster is today with jeans and, and, and sneakers and hats to the back and all that, man, these dudes was dressed <laughs> and will and we'll get at you, you know, for real, for real. So, you know, like you said, and, and smart, just very so smart. intelligent, seeing the world type of people, you know what I mean? So like you said, um, we let America dictate to us that the gangster was a dummy, that the gangster was, you know what I'm saying, illiterate and things of that nature. Um, and and then then of course, even with the interpretation of Tupac and, and what a thug is, either way it goes, they want us to look like clowns. They want us to look ignorant. And all I say is this: um, strategically, I would applaud LeBron James over what Ja's doing. I understand he's he's taking a shot at being an individual and individualism, but at the end of the day. Uh, don't set an example for us to lose because even AI, AI could have went much further had he understood the system. He was, he's a great player. Look at all of Allen Iverson's stats. Look at how great of a player he was. But because he didn't understand the system, he didn't, I feel, even though he's a Hall of Famer, all respect to to Allen Iverson. I can't take that away from him. Allen Iverson is a Hall of Famer. But the good that he could have done and, 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 and how further he could have went had he understood the system. So I do want my African-Americans to understand the Monopoly board. Please understand. You can't, anytime you want to, take that Monopoly board and just flip the table over. There are rules around the game. So I, I say, be who you are. If you want to sit down at the Monopoly board with your hat to the back, and your, your 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 sports jacket on, then that's fine. Come to the Monopoly. We we all might have on suits at the Monopoly table. You come the way you want, but still understand the rules of the game and play to win. That's all I'm gonna say. And I everything you said, I fully agree with. You know what I mean? This is why I, I have to always harp. Two things can be true at once. I agree a hundred percent what you're saying when it becomes to being professional in the system. But I think that's what creates our separation now. We don't own the system. We there's most head coaches, most team owners are white. So again, this becomes us shucking and jiving and tap dancing for their shit. It'd be different if we own this league and then Ja was doing what he's doing. He's doing something in the league. He ain't even guaranteed in as a franchise player. Look at how many franchise players back in the day just got pushed out the league for the next black kid who did it, who they felt like wasn't a gangster or wasn't violent or what. And then Jaws in Memphis, <laughs> like he's in one of the hoodest cities in the country. Yeah. You're going to pick up on certain things. You know what I mean? 
And my what I'm gonna add to is as far as Iverson, we needed him to break the rules. We because what Iverson was doing is what Jordan was doing prior to, which they were going for the culture, how they dress, how they talk. Iverson bought the big baggy shorts. I remember as a kid when I was growing my fro out, Iverson had his mom braiding his hair on the bench during the game. I said, I know these white people hate this, but I love it. <laughs> like, I, that was like seeing the first black person in the movie as the lead role. Like, that was representation. Iverson had us wearing headbands. Yeah. You know what I mean? So as much as I can agree, he could have went about it differently, and it would have helped his career, but I think it would have hurt the culture. Yeah. Iverson's a culture legend. Yeah. Like Muhammad Ali is a culture legend. So even me, I, I would take Tyson over Ali. I love them both. Tyson's my guy. I like he's going to come in there and try to kill you. He ain't going to dance around. He'll come in there and try to hurt you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, and we always just had this debate, me and the homies, friendly debates, you know, who's the greatest, who's better. I think there's a difference, the same as we talk with Iverson. Iverson's a hood legend. Iverson's the hood favorite. Iverson's the neighborhood nip. You know what I mean? Jordan will be considered the GOAT by most people because right. of how he handled his stuff. And even then, he was gambling and doing his own thing, but he was winning. You can't say nothing to nobody when they winning. That's right. what separated him from Iverson. Iverson couldn't be an asshole because y'all wasn't winning. You know what I mean? Right. Boxing. Muhammad Ali was so much more than a boxer. He was an advocate. They hated when he changed. They wanted to talk to him about everything but boxing. Right. It just goes to show no matter what we do, they're going to always try to bring us back to you're a thug. You're, you're one-thirds of a man. Shit like that. Even when we step out of it. Even when we say, I'm a god. I'm a genius. I'm a thug. You know what I mean? What would be the alternative? Black excellence? We have an argument now in the black community. Black excellence can only be had by celebrities and money and status. Like, we can't do any, anything we try to do. It's always somebody saying, no, you can't. No, you're not. <laughs> so now we're just projecting that shit. We walk around with our guns. We got our gold. And then you go back in history, and the kings had gold, and they had their weapons, and they had their family. What are we doing wrong? You know what I mean? What, what are we doing? I think we're too hard on ourselves, man. Like, we are black excellence. We don't have to go out there and get 4.0s and, and SATs and get all these degrees and shit. We don't got to do that to be excellent. We are black excellence. You yeah. know what I mean? So they're trying to deter us from that. And they do that with all these labels. So what do we do? We start calling each other my nigga. <laughs> we, use, we, we use magic. We reverse what you're trying to do, and we manipulate it to work for us. If that's not excellence, like, I don't know what is. Man. This, this has been a great, great discussion, man. I, I want to take time to shout out everybody that has been on the check-in from the beginning. Hey, Michelle Coleman, I'm sorry we didn't get to you earlier. Uh, who else has been on the check-in? Janae, of course. Uh, Drea, Drea, Adrian, uh, Jessica. Who else was on? There was somebody else. Uh, Miss Roe Price who's on the check-in as well. Thank you for all the comments. We got to as many as we possibly could. Um, I'm going to give Tim the last word. Uh, man, I appreciate this thing on Grace. I think we should probably have a part two sometime uh, because we didn't uh, we didn't just cover everything. You know, I think more we need to take another deep dive on Grace for ourselves. 
Uh, I think we give grace to other people, but yeah, taking another deep dive of grace for ourselves and not being so hard on ourselves. Uh, thank you, Adrian. Uh, tonight I will be at Double Take, of course. Uh, we have, um, of course, the Carousel Experience. So come out if you want to sing. It's getting warm outside. Uh, we're there until 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I just want to make an announcement. Save the date, July 23rd. I'm singing, man. Uh, I'm because, I mean, I only got this one life, man. I want to leave it all out here. I, I want to leave all my talents out here. I'm not looking for no record deal or anything like that. This is just something that I truly want to do. Uh, being in the karaoke business for you know, the last five years, I've just developed so much. So I just wanted to at least exercise, especially for my birthday. It's three days before my birthday. So not only concert, but it's my birthday party as well. So Tim and everybody's invited. Save the date, July 23rd. I'm going to leave the last words to my man, Tim. Yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. Um, I agree. We definitely going to talk more about grace, more about positivity and uh, what that can look like in our lives. Um, the, the bit I'm going to leave for y'all is look for the love. Like, we got to walk over the hate. Too many times we stay and address the hate and we can't find the love. We got to look for the love. It's not just going to present itself, you know. And there's a lot of reasons to love. There's a lot of reasons to live life. I'm finding more reasons to live life. I'm finding more reasons to put positivity into the universe, you know what I mean, and see what happens for us as a whole. So everything we do, man, is for the community. You know, everything we talk about is for us and it's for y'all. So we're going to come together and make this family bigger like we've been doing. And I appreciate it. I got a book, two more books dropping June 26th. Hey. Um, make sure y'all tap in. Good Life Russ on Amazon. I'm back doing my poetry shows June 22nd called Speech Therapy. Um, so just make sure y'all looking out for these things. Make sure y'all looking for everything, you know, me and Lane got going on. Because we ain't just going to talk it. We're going to walk it, you dig? Absolutely. This has been Good Life right here uh, on the Uptown Network, man. You guys have a safe, safe weekend. Until next Thursday, we out. Peace. Peace.